Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Mr. Quiet Chuck? I think this weekend we figured out that the two first names would work for me. Charlie Chuck. Charlie Chuck, yeah. Yeah. We did find that out. uh, There was some confusion going on uh, this weekend. By the way, we went to Robbie the Fire Bernstein. Whatever. I'm going to say Bernstein because it's, I think it's accurate. The Liberty Porch Tour is alive and well. And Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, it was a pretty good uh, turn of events that took place (laughs) this weekend in the middle of nowhere, Nashville, Tennessee. It was funny. It was funny. It was fun. Uh, There were two comics. There was a live podcast about Hunter Biden's penis. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, go check out the Run Your Mouth, Run Your Mouth show. Uh, They have it on YouTube and also on podcast form. And I thought it was a good time. We got to meet a lot of other liberty loving friends. Got to hang out with Jeff. Jeff from from our live group was there, mm-hmm. not Maurice. I told him he could stay at my house and he refused. Yeah. So the best joke was the IUD joke from uh from the BK Chris guy, that's for sure. That, that was the best one. That was good. I also thought that uh Robbie the Fire's joke about the uh firefighters uh was pretty good as well. Oh, yeah. The uh, circus firefighters midget firefighters yeah i was just trying not to say midget yeah try not to say midget because that's a i don't know people get i don't know people get real short with you when you start using nate's all politically correct now i know i know i'll say midget for you so you go ahead and start the sentence and let me fill in no it's fine we already were talking about the what uh the firefighter joke Okay, let's uh, let's uh, get going into the show here. We can talk about midget guns next. That's fine. That's fine. No, we're actually going to be talking about long guns here because this guy had a couple of them. And uh, so if you didn't hear, there was a shooting at a mall in Indiana, and it was still pretty bad. I mean, people, there Drake were people that Drake wrote a song about killed. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah. Every time I hear mall, like mall, oh. I just think of Drake songs. Sweet. Um, there was a, there was a shooting. <laughs> this is supposed to be like a conversation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. And you're just you're just annoyed that I'm not sticking <laughs> to the topic. <laughs> okay. No, let's keep Sorry, talking about Drake. I'll, I'll be quiet. No, no, so no, 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 no let's talk about Drake. No, hold go on. Ahead with your show. You know one of my I'm favorite sorry things, for interrupting your show. <laughs> one of my favorite things about Drake, Charlie. Now that you're talking about it, was whatever the heck you were just talking about. <laughs> That was great. That's your favorite thing about yeah, him? Yeah, it was my favorite thing about yeah, him. That's nice. Still is. Still, yeah. as I said, was, but he's still here. I prefer him in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, was that Dawson's? I have no idea great. what you're talking about at all. On any of these references. None yeah. of them. Wow. I'm you sorry. need a culture class. None of them. I don't somebody get it. Help, somebody help Nate out here. I thought he was just like on Disney or something. Yeah, you he, know? Was, he played a guy in a wheelchair. On Disney? On I think on Disney. You just said yes. Dawson's Creek. Was that I, a Disney show? I don't it was something like that. I it don't was, think Drake was on Dawson's Creek. It was either Creek. on like the WB channel <laughs> that which is like What are we talking about? <laughs> okay, if you get just the main channels. Those of you who are poor will understand this. Nate obviously lived on a giant farm. But if you're poor, uh, Degrassi, Degrassi, there Degrassi. it is. What is that? If you were poor, you had like three main channels. You had ABC, NBC, and uh, Fox, I think. 
And then sometimes if you pointed the Abbott rear ears just right, you would get like the My WB channel. Mm, mm-hmm. And that would have those like Degrassi and Dawson's Creek and like those types of shows on them. But I, I mean. You know, the tower for that channel is in my grandma's backyard, by the way, back home. We oh. got that when they put that up. I thought it was cool watching that thing go up. And they just pay her for it. So there's just, here, just get a feel. Your cows get a little bit less space. So let's mm. put this tower up for the channel. It's pretty awesome. His truck wasted. Okay. Anyway, there was a shooting that had nothing to do with Drake. Oh, okay. He was not there. All right. In gotcha. Indiana, there was a, a shooter. But it took place at a mall. It did. Yeah. Okay. So three people at an Indiana mall. He was then shot dead by an armed bystander. And this is something that is, never happens mm. at all. We never see this. Okay. So. Here's the problem. We do see this, and we're going to go through several examples today. When you go through Twitter and you read through all this, you talk about the Uvalde shooting, everyone's like, oh, see, the good guy with a gun myth, that's not a thing that actually happens. We just have to ban all the weapons, you know, which will work. We'll just take out, take away all the weapons. Mm-hmm. Then no one will have any. It works in Australia. Yeah. No, I guess. I mean, I guess if you're on an island and you've got a low population, that's fine, but, mm-hmm. but whatever. So... Here, before we get into this conversation, I wanted to say one thing, which is that when it comes to your gun rights, and this is going to end up being a gun rights conversation, the points that we're about to make, they don't matter. You don't have to make the point that a good guy with a gun should be allowed to have that gun because if someone else comes in there and starts shooting, well, then that's the best thing that could happen. That's not where your gun rights come from. Mm -mm. It's a valuable argument. Write this down. Points don't matter. Points don't matter. You have the right... Now, the government says that they would protect that right, and they're not doing that great of a job at protecting that right, but you have the right regardless of whatever the points are that we're about to make. This is just a valuable uh, argument piece for the crazy world known as Twitter whenever you guys get involved on there. I don't know if you guys ever get on Twitter and just say dumb stuff with each other. That's kind of what you do on there. Mm. So anyway, that's what's been going on. Um, Charlie, if you want to do this first thing from MSN... Now, I believe, that, I mean, this, I haven't really seen this on, like, mainstream, mainstream. Uh, I think MSN's just kind of reposting, like, the local articles, aren't they? Well, the other article that we have was actually from CNN and, uh, you know, NBC News itself has had it. So this this has been getting out there. I mean, the, right. the top thing from CNN I saw did, even in the headline, it said that they were stopped by a good Samaritan with a gun. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think we'll get into this, but that guy was 22, mm. the, the Good Samaritan. So good job. Yeah. Uh, the, sus- uh, the suspected gunman in the Indiana Mall mass shooting carried two rifles, a pistol, and more than 100 rounds of ammo, authorities said Monday. Now, was that all in one clip? <laughs> it's all in one single clip, yeah. And it was multi, like he could just transfer that clip from mm-hmm. gun to gun. Uh, and the Good Samaritan who fatally shot him is credited with saving countless lives. Three people were killed in the Greenwood Park Mall outside of Indianapolis on Sunday. Two others were injured, and the gunman is also dead. The suspected shooter, who identify, who was identified by officials as Jonathan Douglas Sapirman, 20, of Greenwood. Sapirman entered the Greenwood Park Mall and went into a restroom near the food court at about 5 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Sapirman stayed in the bathroom for 62 minutes, then exited and began firing into the mall's food court with a sig with a six sour rifle. That's a 
I, I think that's, that's got to be a... It should be Sig Sauer. Yeah, I think that's got to be a mistake on there. I'm like, why is there a six in here? I don't think that's right. Killing three people. Um, the victims were identified. We don't as, have to go through all their names and everything unless, oh, okay. you, unless you don't. Unless you want here's, to. Let, no, let's go through the Good Samaritan here. Uh, Elijah Dixon, 22, of Seymour, Indiana, was at the mall with his girlfriend, saw the shooter, and within minutes of Sapirman first opening fire, returned fire with a handgun and killed Sapirman. His actions were nothing short of heroic, Eisen said. He engaged the gunman from quite a distance with a handgun, was very proficient in that, very tactically sound, and as he moved to close in on the suspect, he was also motioning for people to exit behind him. What poise and nice. control. Nice. Altogether, investigators recovered 24 rifle rounds fired by Sapirman and 10 rounds shot by Dixon. Uh, in addition to those killed, a 22-year-old woman sustained a, lug, a leg wound and is recovering, and a 12-year-old girl sustained a minor injury when a bullet ricocheted and hit her. So, there you go. So, first off, round of applause for Dickon. There is no S in there, but round of applause for taking this guy down. Uh, the person had two rifles and a handgun and more than 100 rounds of ammo and was able to... Uh, he did kill three people and two others were injured, but then, luckily... This guy was in there, was carrying, by the way, in an area which I saw online to verify was uh, you're not allowed to carry guns in the mall, but he did happen to be carrying a gun. So it's a good thing that he broke that rule, I guess. Okay, it's their private property, whatever. But here's, here's the deal, and we've said this on the podcast before. I would rather get in trouble for breaking that rule than get killed because I didn't break that rule. Exactly. It's a pretty easy trade-off. Because it's hard to fight in court <clears throat> when you're dead. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So you're really pleading the fifth at that point. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I need to do better at this, and so does Charlie. But if you can safely conceal carry a weapon, if you think you're good enough to use it in a situation uh, like that to protect yourself or to protect others, you really should go through the inconvenience of having that thing stabbing you in the side every once in a while. Mm. Because this guy, because he went through that, saved who knows how many people's lives. We don't know. That's the problem with the good guy with the gun thing. Because you don't know how many people's lives he saved. Mm. This could have been known as the Greenwood Mall Massacre, where 100 people were killed. He had 100, 100 rounds. Uh, where, where 30 people were killed while they were out shopping. And now it's not going to be known as that. And it's not going to show up as the worst mass shooting to have ever happened or, or anything like that because this guy stopped it. And that's the problem that we have with the unseen when it comes to good, a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy with a gun is you don't have that statistic. You, there's no way of knowing. Right. We don't know what it would have been. So, and it, I mean, even if you do the math here, you know, he had... He fired 20 rounds, 24 rounds, and killed three people. So basically times four. He could have <clears throat> maybe killed 12. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll never know, though, because uh, this guy did a good job. So congrats. Congrats to him. And, uh, and that's, like you said, that's the toughest part of the argument. You know, like, okay, you can. You <coughs> Excuse me. You can use that argument when it does happen. Mm -hmm. But then it's like. You can't quantify how many people were potentially saved because you have no idea how long the shooting would have taken place for 
how many rounds the guy would have gotten off semi-accurately, mm-hmm. like the disbursement of the crowd or whatever. But we know that he probably would have killed at least a few more people had he not been killed because he didn't get through all of his ammo. Well, we even in this case where there were three people that were killed and two others that were shot, that still goes down as a mass shooting. But what if he would have been closer to the person? In this case, he heard shots and ended up having to go up and and uh, shoot the person. What if he would have been closer and the person would have only shot one person before this guy took him down? Well, then it doesn't go down as a mass shooting. It's probably not enough people for national news to even pick it up. We don't know if more people would have been killed or or not. In this case, we have three and a and a couple more people being injured. And that's how close you are. Like when these things are stopped right there, right there in their tracks, right when they start happening, you don't get the news stories about it. But that's kind of what we're doing today is we're actually going to bring you several instances where something like this happened and a lot of lives were saved. So you can use this to talk to your crazy people on Twitter that you probably shouldn't even be interacting with. But hopefully, if you can beat their head up against a brick wall enough, uh, you can get this drilled into them. That didn't come out right. I don't think you should beat your friend's head up against a brick mm-hmm. wall until they um, go along with your argument. But uh, yeah. you know the thing. Okay. You can't technically beat sense into people, but you can try. <clears throat> sure, sure. Okay, so from CNN, on the flip side of this, a gunman killed three people in Indiana Mall before he was shot dead by an armed bystander. That was the headline from CNN. I was surprised to even see the story on CNN, but of course, what did they have to do? Uh, what they do in their article, removing the situation that occurred, we'll start with uh, four paragraphs down where they start talking about how this never happens and you can't depend on a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy with a gun, which was the point of their art, their article. So far as much like <clears throat> you can't even be the good guy with a gun. No, no, no. So it's rare to have an armed bystander attack an active shooter, according to a data analysis published by the New York Times. Now, in the article, that was a link, so I opened up that, and I went and looked at this article published by the New York Times. There are at least 433 active shooter attacks in the U.S. from 2000 to 2021, according to the data analysis. Active shooter attacks were defined as those in which one or more shooters or one or more shooters killed or attempted to kill multiple unrelated people in a populated place. Of those 433 active shooter cases, an armed bystander shot the attacker in 22 of the incidents. In 10 of those, the good guy was a security guard or an off-duty police officer. <clears throat> and having more than one armed person Which at means the scene. 12 of those weren't. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> By the way. More than half of them, yeah. Yeah. And having more than one armed person at the scene who is not a member of law enforcement can create confusion and carry dire risks. You know, also not having one of those people at the scene can have confusion and dire risk too when everyone's just getting shot no one can do anything about it. And that's another thing. You know, I had this conversation one time uh, because I carried my gun into a movie theater whenever I wasn't supposed to. I had this conversation with uh, some family members and their argument was that it, if a, their argument was literally if a shooter came into the movie theater and started shooting everyone, that it was more dangerous for me to have a gun in that situation, mm-hmm. that they felt more in danger. If anyone can explain that to me, I would greatly appreciate it. We got a free t- t-shirt for you over there at GodHatesFeds.com. Well, because that you crisscrossing <clears throat> fire, yeah, which causes like a double ricochet when they meet in the middle. <laughs> and then the, the bullets explode. It creates <laughs> this chain reaction. 
and yeah. envelops the entire building actually yeah. in a fireball. Yeah, that's that's mm. actually what happens. So, okay, let's say that someone comes in and starts shooting and you get your gun out. And of course, there's people running around. You got to be careful in that scenario. There could be people behind the person that you're trying to shoot. Uh, that could that could be dangerous, of course. So there's bad things that can go wrong, but compare those to the bad things that can go wrong when the bad guy's the only person who has a gun. That's like a hundred percent bad thing that's going to go wrong. You're just sitting there. You're sitting there with nothing. I mean, this how happened, is it more dangerous for someone to have a gun? This happened in France at a at a rock show. I think 127 people were shot and killed or whatever. No the, clue. This was what four or five years ago. You don't remember this. Uh, I think France. you're just making stuff up today. At a, at a metal show in give France. Any, give me a hard time. I remember that one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. God <laughs> bless. Um, anyway, that was like, I don't know, it was like 100 people were killed in that one because mm-hmm. they were all just, they they couldn't get out. It was way too crowded, and then no one could stop them. And it just it was just just got mowed down. This this happens all the time. It just happened uh, at a school in in Uvalde. I mean, mm-hmm. it would be better for someone to have a gun that would be willing to go in there and do it. And so anyway, of those, let's see. And having more than one armed person, that's dangerous. We know that. For example, an armed bystander who shot and killed an attacker in 2021 in Colorado was himself shot and killed by the police who mistook him for the gunman. The Times reported. So just so you know. But the, hey, that might be a good way to go out. Just so you know, the danger in the scenario was that you killed the gunman and then the police mistook you for the gunman. I don't really exactly fault the police in that scenario. They know people are getting shot and they see a guy with a gun. So you look kind of like the gunman in that scenario, considering you have a gun. And and so that's not exactly their fault. But still, once again, you take on that risk as an individual. You know that. I've thought about it before. Something happened and I had to get my gun out and take someone down. Well, what if by the time the cops look over there, I'm the guy with a gun who's shooting at someone? That's a risk that you take. You're telling me I can't take that risk? Did you still stop the shooting? You stop the shooting. You still save people. How is this still more dangerous? Yeah. And, and it's, it's sad. It's not like it's not sad. Um, Matt just posted the screenshot. Uh, the hero liberty activist killed by police after shooting after stopping mass shooter who just killed a cop. So, and, and what Eugene is saying here too, you have the freedom to take that risk. Yeah. Like that's a choice that you get to make without somebody taking that from you. I, I cannot understand anyone saying that it's more dangerous for a good guy to have a gun unless they are completely biased emotionally for their hatred of guns and for the fact that people are allowed to own guns. Like yeah. that's it. That is the only way you can arrive at that opinion. And to Bailey's point, if you... Take uh, if you just use the Uvalde example, mm-hmm. and as long as you, uh, as long as you get rid of the mass shooter within the seven within seventy seven minutes, you're probably mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, that's you have at least that long. Yeah. Okay, there have been three hundred and fifty mass shootings this year, according to the Gun Violence Archive. Now they just referenced a study from the New York Times that said there have been four hundred and thirty three active shooter attacks from two thousand to two thousand twenty one. Uh, but then the Gun Violence Archive says there's been 350 mass shootings this year. Like CNN, the archive defines a mass shooting as one in which four or more people are shot, not including the shooter. The community now joins a slew of others grappling with the aftermath of mass shootings, including communities reeling from recent massacres in Uvalde, the July 4th parade, and we got Buffalo, all that stuff. But then a quote from the, uh, on behalf of the city of Greenwood, 
This person saved lives tonight, the mayor said. I'm grateful for his quick action and heroism in this situation. All right, so that's a roundup on the story. Now we got a little bit of this stuff from the New York Times in here that we need to uh, go through. The New York Times has this graphic up here. There are 433 active mass shootings. Now, before we run through these numbers, Charlie, it's important that we define what a mass shooting is because we've got all these people talking. We've had 350 this year already. New York Times says there's been 433 active shooter events, and of course, they are using different definitions. So if you want to define those, I'd have to ask, what are people trying to quantify? What are they trying to, what's this mass shooting idea that we're worried about? Is it? I think in like five years, we'll have like a thousand mass shootings a day because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it'll just be defined by like a gun went off. Yeah. Like, and that was mass. Mm-hmm. Well, well maybe two <clears throat> or more bullets were fired. So now yeah. you're, that's a mass shooting. I don't know if we'll, t- I don't know if we'll do that, but we might start counting the people that were in the vicinity of the mass shooting and the mental health effects that that has on them. So we'll have to address that as well. Mm -hmm. So like, okay, three people were killed, but there were like 200 in the vicinity that heard the gunshots, which was uh, an infringement on their, on their liberty as well. And so we'll count that. We already covered Michael Moore's amendment. Mm -hmm. You have the right to not fear. True. True. That right was violated. itself. So uh, anyway, what I what I think of when we're talking about these mass shootings and also what everyone else thinks of is a school shooting, this thing in the mall, you know, uh, the parade that happened, the Buffalo shooting, any of the, the, the rock concert that Charlie made up earlier, like all though, that's what people are thinking of the Vegas shooting oddly that we just don't talk about at all like one of the worst mass shootings ever like hundreds of people getting where is that shooting <laughs> what they don't mention it anymore and i know it's kind of it's really weird really weird anyway that's what I we was think just of in vegas in may too nothing's like nothing i saw mandalay bay even and do you think when people are talking about mass shootings and they're worried about their kids dying in mass shootings are they talking about uh being in the middle of a gang war or being at a house, uh, you know, where the where there's domestic violence, where someone ends up losing it and killing their family, something like that. Like, are, are those the mass shootings that we're talking about on Twitter? Or are we talking about Uvalde and Buffalo and the Highland Park and this one that just happened right here? Which one do you think people are talking about when they say mass shooting? Probably all the others. <laughs> just the others. Mm-hmm, yeah. So that's why we separate these things out because people aren't trying to make you scared that you're going to be caught in the middle of gang violence in Chicago, although you should be. But let's use their numbers. Why don't we? So these are their numbers and these are, this is the New York Times removing those times that I'm talking about. They're only keeping active shooter in a public place where unrelated people are being shot by someone. That's, that's what they're counting. So they say 433. Anyway. It's just important that we get what the statistics are before we actually Mm -hmm. talk about it. So 249 attacks ended before the police arrived. 184 attacks ended after the police arrived. So before the police arrived, in 64 of those, the uh, bystander subdued the attacker 42 times, shot the attacker 22 times. So we got 22 times out of 433 shootings that they looked at. 
Now, oddly enough, that comes out to about 5%. That's what that comes out to. Can you think of any reason that this number would be particularly low, Charlie? That 5%, that doesn't seem like very much. Mm. Anything off the top of your head? Only 5% of people conceal carry? Um, No. Uh, it's because most of these shootings take place in gun-free zones where people aren't allowed oh, to carry weapons. Yeah. Mm. That is that is the problem. So once you go down this road of saying, well, a good guy with a gun hardly ever stops a bad guy with a gun. Look at all these active shooter scenarios. And you say, look, it only happened 22 times out of 433. See, we can't really depend on that. But how many of those times were in a place where if someone would have known you were carrying a gun, you would have been arrested? So they weren't carrying a gun most of the time. How many times was the good guy excluded from carrying his gun? Exactly. Did you get that number? And so that number that we have uh, from the, uh, man, I can't remember the website anymore. Uh, Crime something. 96% of mass shootings. And percent. Percent of mass shootings uh, are in gun-free zones from 1950 to May 2022. Now this number, when you look it up online, is heavily disputed by all of the media outlets that you would assume. And that is because in this number, they removed those shootings that we were talking about, gang violence, domestic violence, stuff like that. They kept these active shooter scenarios, indiscriminate killing of unrelated people in a public setting. Now those are at 96% of the time happen in a gun-free zone. So when the New York Times uses something to say, well, this has only happened in 5% of the cases, someone with a, a bystander shot the attacker and stopped the shooting, well, that's 5% of cases. Well, that actually works out pretty well that 96% of the shootings occur in gun-free zones. Well, and even this hero brought his gun somewhere where he wasn't supposed to. Exactly. He ignored the gun-free zone signs. Yeah. Now, the CNN criteria and what everyone else will use and say, well, that 97, that 96% number, that's way off. That's because they count all of the other domestic and gang violence and, and all of that. And they say less than 10% of those occur in a gun-free zone because a lot of them occur at people's houses. Mm-hmm. And so those are not gun-free zones. So anyway, that's where the big, that's where the big problem with these numbers comes into play. So we got a few stories through here. You can, you can point to these and we're going to put a bunch of links in the show notes but here's a few examples we got one that just happened uh, not too long ago mm-hmm. and then we've got a bunch of others so let's just dive in this was also i mean this was co- uh, covered on major outlets as well this article in particular comes from the truthaboutguns.com west virginia police say women with concealed carry uh, stopped a mass shooting saved lives charleston police department's chief of detectives tony hazlett credited an unnamed Charleston concealed carry license holder with stopping the threat following a shooting Wednesday evening. That's what I would like. (laughs) Unnamed. Mm -hmm. I don't need any, you know, pats on the back for it. I want Uh, it. I want all the praise. I want to get free drinks (laughs) for the rest of my life. You like having a purple heart. Yeah. (laughs) Going to the bars. Won't pay for a drink all night. Works every time. Police say Dennis Butler returned after being lectured about uh, speeding through an apartment complex where kids were playing. He parked his car and began shooting at a graduation party with an AR-15. Jesus. Mm. I didn't read the details of this one. He got mad because somebody told him to slow down. This road rage thing, is a that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. I learned something recently that 
you, you're just better off just like not honking at anyone. Like, <laughs> it's dangerous. No, it's seriously. Yeah. It's crazy. A woman among the group of 30 to 40 people saw Butler in his uh, back seat firing on the group. Instead of running, she engaged the threat, shooting and killing him. The lieutenant said no charges would be filed against the woman who said was understandably very shaken up by the ordeal. Butler, on the other hand, had an extensive criminal history. As such, he was legally prohibited from owning, handling, or carrying any firearm. Mm. That hardly ever happens. But we probably didn't have enough laws. No, no, we need another law for that. Several times in yesterday's press conference, the chief of detectives credited that regular citizen who had lawfully carried, uh, who had a lawfully carried firearm with saving lives because she didn't run, but instead chose to engage and take out the threat. Well, there's another one mm-hmm. right there. Let's run through some more of these. Uh, we got these are five times concealed carriers have stopped mass shootings. I'll run through a few of these. A Winnemucca bar shootings. <laughs> Winnemucca. Winnemucca bar shootings. Mm. In May of 2008, a 48-year-old patron was frequenting his favorite bar some 160 miles northeast of, northeast of Reno, Nevada, when a disgruntled person entered the bar and opened fire indiscriminately upon an estimated 300 people. Two people were immediately struck by the gunfire and fell. The valid concealed carrier took out his pistol and fatally shot the attacker before he could proceed any further. He was initially taken into custody, but later released. That's the person who killed the attacker. Uh, After the attorney determined it was a justifiable homicide, both shooting victims were able to be evacuated and receive life-saving medical care. Mm. 300 people in there. Person comes out there shooting indiscriminately. One of them's got a gun, takes him down. That's, and everyone lives. That's, and except everyone, for the government. Yeah, except for him. That's awesome. Yeah. Uber driver, critically wounded Chicago gunman, and Chicago Uber driver Saul Everardo Custodio, 22, opened fire on a crowd in Logan Square. The driver, 47, took out his concealed carry pistol and hit Custodio several times, disabling him from further engaging bystanders. Chicago police arrived to find Ernesto struck several times from gunshot wounds originating from the driver. The driver was released without charges. No bystanders were hit by bullets and no other injuries were reported in connection with this event. Another one where there's no injuries even. That's a good one right there, man. Only to the shooter. Head on with the next one. All right, Philly Barbershop. Uh, Another concealed carry in action story we covered involved a concealed carrier who came to the rescue after a man took out his gun and opened fire on customers and barbers. The fight was a result of an argument which spiraled out of control when the man who took out his gun and opened fire in, in an establishment which also had children inside. A concealed carrier heard the gunshots and fatally shot the gunman in the chest. No one else was injured due to gunfire. No one else. Now, in all these, they're tough to be like these major news stories because you end up with no people being killed or a, a, a low amount. Any amount is bad a low amount of people being killed. So this isn't going to be like big national news. And that is the problem. Doesn't even qualify for a mass shooting. I know. And that is the problem with this argument is, of course, people don't know that this actually happens all the time. It's not getting counted in some kind of big archive because there's hardly any reason to push it because you're not going to win a whole lot of political points with it. Here's another one. In a vicious case involving the death of one man and the critical injury of another... Uh, a gunman was sentenced to serve 25 to 50 years only after he was stopped by a concealed carrier in a bar. According to court records, which, by the way, you can't carry your guns in a bar. Mm. 
According to co- uh, court records, um, Billy Allenbaugh <laughs> was asked to leave a Plymouth bar in September of 2012 after he was spotted with a gun. He shot a man in the bar and then ran outside and fatally shot another. It was then that video surveillance showed he turned around to go back inside. Thankfully, there was a concealed carrier there waiting to take him out, and that's precisely what happened. So rather than the guy being able to take down the whole bar, he was stopped. Churchgoers stop coming before he can do harm. All right, This is what concealed carriers hope for right here. I hope I can do it sometime. No, I don't. I don't ever want to do it. But if mm. the situation arises, I hope I don't freak out and just hide in a corner, you know? Mm. The peaceful resolution or of a potentially dead. violent... Yes, I'll just play dead. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, take, I'll do it myself. Leave me alone. Take my grandson. <laughs> in March of 2012, 38-year-old Jesse Gates showed up to the Southside Free Will Baptist Church in Boiling Springs with a shotgun after having left the church earlier in the morning. Aaron Gutton, the pastor's grandson and the concealed carry permit holder, noticed Gates' pickup truck returned to the parking lot. He saw him take out a shotgun from the back. That's when he alerted other members of the church and went out the back. Church members locked the doors and sheltered in place while Gutton moved around the periphery to flank gates, according to the uh, sheriff right here, operated clearly by the book. So that one stopped. No one no one even got hurt. So that's that's pretty good right there. Another good one. Charlie's freaking out over here. I'm not freaking out. <clears throat> you look like you're freaking out right now, man. I'm fine. Luke Woodham fatally stabbed his mother at home before opening fire at his high school, killing two students and injuring seven others. The attack was stopped when the assistant principal retrieved his 45 caliber handgun from his truck and confronted Woodham, detaining him until authorities could arrive. This is a case where guns stop mass shootings from becoming even worse. I mean, you got to how many people in the school could have potentially been killed mm. by this person? No way of knowing. What about Parker Middle School right there, Charles? All right, 1998. 14-year-old student showed up to his middle school dance carrying a 25 caliber pistol. That's an odd caliber, Yeah. by the way. Uh, he opened fire inside the dance. And what I mean by that is that it, there aren't, it's not a typical caliber these yeah. days. Also, the number is, is odd. So It is odd. Mm-hmm. He opened fire inside the dance, killing one teacher and wounding another, as well as two students. The rampage ended when James Strand owner of the banquet hall and dance the dance was happening in, grabbed his personal shotgun and confronted the 14-year-old killer. Strand held the teen at gunpoint for 11 minutes before finally getting him to drop the weapon and lie on the ground. From Appalachian Appalachian School of Law in 2002, 43-year-old former student armed with a 380 handgun killed Dean Anthony Sutton and Professor Thomas Blackwell with point-blank shots and went on to kill a fellow student, Angela Dales, as well as wounding three others before being confronted at gunpoint by law students, Tracy Bridges, a county sheriff's deputy, and Michael Gross, a police officer, after retrieving their personal handguns from their vehicles. The gunman was then uh, apprehended by other students. In 2007, two uh, parishioners were killed and three wounded when a gunman toting a Bushmaster AR-15 opened fire at New Hope Church. Hearing the rifle fire, Janine Assam grabbed her personal concealed carry firearm and confronted the gunman from a distance of 20 yards. What a shot. Yeah, there was more in that in that story. They described just her taking her concealed carry and hitting him from 20 yards away. I'm going to tell you, that's it's not that easy with a handgun Mm-mm. to hit someone from that far from out. 20 yards, that's pretty... Especially in a situation like that. 
You know, in That's May, pretty accurate. In 2010, May 27, 79 year old man entered an AT&T store in New York Mills, New York, carrying a 357 Magnum revolver in his hand, a list of employees he planned to kill in his pocket. Here in the hand, that's a weird place to kill people in your pocket. Huh. Here mm. in the hand cannon go off, Donald J. Moore drew his own personal weapon and gun stop mass shootings here and killed the gunman before he could complete his plan. One employee was wounded in the shooting. So Donald J. Moore drew his own weapon and killed the gunman immediately. Yeah, the whole list of people didn't get to run through them. When a 62-year-old man, two-year-old man in 2010, this is August 30, 2010, armed with two handguns, forced his way into Sullivan Central High School in Tennessee, he was immediately engaged by a school resource officer. See, they do. They do it. They do it sometimes. Gunter put her body between the gunman and the student and started what would turn out to be more than 10-minute gun-to-gun encounter. I'm sorry, just imagine them hitting their guns together. But um, <laughs> anyway, Gudger used the time to slowly move the man to a less crowded part of the school. When officers arrived on the scene, a brief gun battle erupted, ending with the gunman mortally wounded. Oh, there's another one right there. We got one here in 2012, Charles. Two people were killed and a third was seriously wounded at Clackamas Town Center near Portland, Oregon, when a rifle-toting gunman opened fire in the busy food, food court. Something about food courts here. Mm-hmm. A shopper in the mall drew a personally owned firearm on the gunman who immediately retreated to a service corridor and killed himself. Uh, Malai did not fire his weapon for fear of striking bystanders, yet authorities say his action caused the gunman to cease his attack and end his own life. Well, let's just... Uh, we'll Shot, skip. just drew his gun out into suicide. We'll skip down to one that really uh, hit close to home, uh, so to speak, okay. uh, for me here, the Tennessee church shooting. Uh, which was stopped by a worshiper with a gun. By close to home, I mean if I would have had the windows open in my house, I would have heard it happen. Mm. Uh, so that's the one that happened just right down the road there uh, from from my house. There's been uh, an odd, just a weird amount of mass shootings that have occurred within like a three-mile radius of my house. I Too mean, many. on this list, there's one, two, three, four, five, six more that we didn't get to. Yeah. Even. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. That one article. So... So uh, the, this is from concealedcarry.com. Uh, many of you have already heard the horrifying events that occurred at the Burnett Chapel Church of Christ in Antioch, Tennessee this weekend. What you may not know is how the events were ended by a concealed carrier who knew he needed to do something to stop the bloodshed. 22-year-old Robert Engel was sitting in the Burnett Chapel Church on Sunday along with 40 other people when the killer walked into the building wearing a mask and carrying a gun that he intended to use that day and use it. He did. He shot and killed a woman standing by her vehicle outside uh, before he walked into church and began to open fire in a helpless group of worshipers. The entire spree killed one and injured eight others. But uh, what happened here was this guy ran outside, grabbed his gun, and put it on this dude and, and held him there. A 22-year-old. So, yeah. I mean. Look at that. And that just happened right, uh, right down the road. We've talked about that one a few times before. There's also a shooting at the Waffle House yeah. next to your house, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that guy, now that guy was taken out by somebody um, tackling him, wasn't it? <laughs> no, he's the one that they did a manhunt for. They found him out in the woods back behind where I used to live in those apartments, uh, like the next day or another day after that. Oh, okay, so, so he wasn't neutralized. No, no. I don't know if anyone would have tackled him because he was uh, butt-ass naked whenever he did it. Okay. Yeah, I think he had a trench coat on, but anyway. Butt-ass. Yes. Naked. So here's all the stuff that we just went through. We even skipped through some because we're coming up on 4 p.m. right now. We skipped through some. 
None of that matters when you talk to anyone that's on the left. None of them do. You know why? Because here's what they'll say, and I've, re- I've already seen it plenty of times on the Twitter machine today. Well, just imagine how much better it would have been if that guy wasn't allowed to have a gun. Or imagine if no one had these guns. Then we wouldn't have needed a good person with a gun to come in and stop them. And so as long as they have this utopia in their mind that you're that no one is going to have a gun, which sounds like a utopia to them, these arguments right here aren't exactly going to work because every time you say, well, look at this, see, someone stopped a bad person with a gun, they'll say, well, we just shouldn't allow people to have those guns. And mm. you give them another example and say, well, we just shouldn't allow people to have those guns. Yeah. In their mind, the government's going to be able to stop everyone from those guns, and then we won't have to worry about a good person being there with a gun. Just ask them if they've ever smoked weed before it was legal in their state. <laughs> yeah, no, they probably never have. <clears throat> that's just, that's different. The gun, the, the government will be able to get rid of guns, though. I yeah. mean, they couldn't do it with drugs mm-hmm. or anything else but they'll be able to do it with guns and so as we long- met a guy this weekend who makes ghost guns <laughs> yeah yeah we did I, I didn't say his name it doesn't matter <laughs> i saw a ghost gun for the first time in my life well i saw a picture of one yeah and there's I a special you, camera that they use to capture yeah, ghost guns it didn't look when, i yeah. expected something different it looked like a know? gun it yeah I don't. I, I guess I was expecting some type of like boo. You know, yeah, like, no. It wasn't as scary as yeah. it sounded. Didn't look anything like Casper. Gotta tell you. So they're they're always gonna fall back on that argument, and that argument is toast. One of the other funny things you'll see right now is uh, people coming out saying, "Well, there were 400 police officers involved in this Uvalde thing." That's one of the reports that was released. They got like up to 400 cops that were involved in this thing, and they couldn't stop one guy that had an AR-15. Because they're too busy washing their hands. <laughs> no, they were busy. They had to make sure all the germs were gone. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there weren't 400 people in the hallway or anything. They were just talking about all the responders that were involved in the incident. So kind of blowing up that number a little bit. Uh, but the other part of that is they think all those people are going to go seize the 20 million guns that people have, the 20 million AR-15 style rifles that people mm-hmm. have. Like the, you got to imagine both of those things are happening at the same time. A civilian shouldn't have an AR-15 because even these 400 cops couldn't stop a guy with an AR-15. So you know what we should do? There's 20 million AR-15-style rifles out there in the U.S. We should have the cops go door-to-door and seize each one of those weapons. Stop people from having them. Imagine that occurring in your brain. Like, that. those things, those synapses, they just fired, all of them, and not thinking anything of it. Like, of course that'll work. There wasn't even any crossfire. No. It just worked perfectly yeah. in their in their mind. And honestly, I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I think you just got to turn them off and just ignore it, you know? Yeah. We just find that ghost gun guy. So sometimes you're just like, oh, there's no hope. No. Yeah. I was telling Jeff that this weekend. I was like, you know, we try to be positive sometimes. Honestly, when I'm doing that, I'm, I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you. Yeah. I don't think it's going to get any better. Yeah. I know. Anyway, just to leave everyone with a nice black pill for, for Monday. Let's, uh, yeah, sure. We can, we can do this. I All guess we'll right, have so plenty of stuff This is from the Friday. Washington Post. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, how the media coverage drove Biden's political pun- plunge. It's, folks, it's the media's fault. Mm. It couldn't be a son's penis all over the internet. <laughs> Well, I don't but, think that's had anything to do with it, honestly. I just tried to fit that in there. Yeah. Anyway, I you tried to fit his son's penis in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Into the show. Okay. Exactly. The mainstream media has played a huge, underappreciated <laughs> role. <laughs> now everything is going to sound phallic. 
The mainstream media has played a huge underappreciated role in the President Biden's declining support over the past year. Its flawed coverage model of politics and government is bad for more than just Biden. It results in a distorted national discourse that weakens our democracy. Now, of course, the the Democrats are going to get slaughtered in the midterms, by the way, is my prediction. And so they're already getting out ahead of the curve and saying that they're they, they're they have to have someone to blame. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're doing. They get. And just so you know, this is bad for democracy. Now the okay? media is going to blame the media. Yes. The media needs to find a different way to cover Washington. One of the sharpest dips in Biden's approval rating, which was dropped from 55% in January of 2021 to less than 39% today, happened last August when it declined almost five points in a single month. There wasn't a huge surge in gas prices, nor some big legislative failure. What caused Biden's dip was the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, or rather the media's 24-7 highly negative coverage of it. It wasn't the withdrawal from Afghanistan itself and how that went. It was the media's coverage because otherwise people wouldn't know. So how Mm. could they lose support Mm -hmm. for something they don't know about? For much of August, the homepages of major newspapers and cable news programs were dominated by Afghanistan coverage as if the chaotic withdrawal was the only thing happening in the world. (laughs) I seem to remember something else that was the only thing happening during Trump's presidency. Mm -hmm. Some virus, right? Well, that, that was lab. the only thing. I mean, we're still trying to we're still trying to only talk about January 6th right now. That's why they want to talk about it. It's the only thing they have yeah. in their pocket. Journalists and outlets tore into the president with Axios calling the withdrawal Biden stain. NBC News correspondent Richard Engel uh, declaring that, quote, history will judge this moment as a very dark period for the United States. And Jake Taffer from CNN asking an administration official on a show, quote, does President Biden not bear the blame for this disastrous exit from Afghanistan. Now, how? Well, of course he does. How dare they ask someone from the administration does such the a ridiculous question? Commander in chief <laughs> have any responsible for how the military exits somewhere? No, no, you can't do this. This is this is to go back to the earlier paragraph. This is harming our democracy. Yes. These kind this kind of questioning the of the administration mm. is dangerous for democracy. Yeah. And democracy dies in darkness. Biden's poll numbers plunged, closely tracking the media hysteria. Or what was actually happening. Right. As the Post's uh, Dana Milbank wrote in December, data analysis showed a marked marked increase in negativity and media coverage of Biden that started uh, last August. After the withdrawal, the media lumped other events into its Biden is struggling narrative. Or maybe the fact is the guy can't get a complete sentence out. Yeah, maybe it's because he's struggling to say two words coherently yes. together. And the other thing is, okay, so it's not that the media can't drag down a, a president's approval. We know that. That is what people are seeing about the president. We know that that can happen for sure. But you got to make sure there's not a correlation and causation thing here. They're saying, oh, his approval numbers j- just dropped through the floor with all the media hysteria Maybe the media hysteria was happening around a bunch of terrible things that were happening in the country. And that that could have also been the driver of why the approval numbers went down so far. Mm-hmm. I think they're giving themselves a little bit too much credit. Presidents are always covered skeptically, but when one party dominates Washington, the political media often scrutinizes that party's president even more. Presidents Bill Clinton, W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump got very negative coverage at times when their parties also controlled Congress. I think I remember Trump getting negative press no matter what. Yeah. Actually. 
The media's equally, quote, equally positive and negative to both sides approach has been challenged by increasingly radical and anti-democratic Republican Party. They can't be equally positive and negative to both sides because the Republican Party is too terrible. Is anti-equality. That's why. Mm -hmm. Honest coverage of political view uh, news often seems anti-GOP. The mainstream media covered Trump very harshly, particularly in the final months of his presidency, as he worked to overturn election results. In the yeah, first, few, yeah, that's when they did it. By the way, that's when they started the covering Trump time. very harshly mm-hmm. from January, from like December, January until January twenty first, whenever it was. That is when the media really got tough on Trump right there. There was nothing about a Russian probe or the Mueller investigation. Fine people on both sides. There was never anything like that, no. No, Trump had no scandals until Jan (laughs) 6, obviously. In the first few months of 2021, many uh, many in the media focused on narratives that seemed like they could turn into big anti-Biden stories but didn't pan out. Before most public schools were open, journalists focused on closures because Biden had pledged to get kids back in the classroom. Biden's first news conference as president in March of 2021 featured numerous questions about a surge in migrants across the southern border and some about his 2024 plans, but not one on COVID-19, which the administration seemed to be handling well. But So that's the, the, the problem is that they... They didn't ask him about how good he was doing often enough yeah. in the in the media mm-hmm. that's supposed to. OK, making sure the political strategy team Biden took focusing on showing the president competently managing the pandemic and the economy and reducing partisanship in Washington was particularly harmed by the media's coverage approach. It is difficult for a president to demonstrate competence with a media perpetually looking for something negative. For one thing, when Biden got an issue under control, such as coronavirus vaccine distribution, many journalists simply moved on to a new problem without crediting him much for fixing the old one. Jesus. So the job of the media is to just sit around and talk about how great the administration is doing on things. How great thou thou art. art. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Now Biden is polling worse than Trump was in July of 2020 when thousands of people were dying each week of COVID. You can't credibly argue that Trump, with his constant inflammatory statements and incompetent management, was a better president than Biden. You can't. If you do, you're not credible. Mm-hmm. You cannot credibly argue that he was a better president than Biden. Because mm-hmm. he, he was an incompetent mismanager. It is a fact of life. Mm-hmm. It's like on the elemental chart. Okay, that Biden is a better president than Trump. It's not, it's part of science now. Mm -hmm. You can't even argue it. That's right. Not credibly, anyway. These poll numbers reflect something gone wrong. Media commitment to, quote, equal coverage of both parties has resulted in a year and a half of coverage since Biden entered office that implies both parties are similarly bad. (laughs) As if the surge of inflation and some of Biden's policy mistakes rival a Republican Party that is actively undermining democracy in numerous ways. The problem is that the media, the way they cover things, are acting as if both parties are similarly bad. When in reality, it's only the Republican Party that is awful because they're trying to destroy democracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a balancing scale, you know, it's like, oh, we raised taxes, so we're kind of bad. And it's like, oh, well, we lowered corporate tax, so we're kind of bad. And, they, you know, they keep balancing mm-hmm. each other out. 
But then when you attack democracy, nothing else matters. Yeah. It's going to like, you shouldn't cover anything bad about the Democrats and everything bad about the Republicans because it, you, you unfortunately unbalanced the scales of equal justice of coverage. Biden could go out there and personally abort 15 million people with a, with an AR 15. And as long as we voted on it, that would be totally fine. As long as like 51%, the majority of everyone Mm -hmm. and all the immigrants got the vote on it. Totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. But what the Republicans are doing to to democracy, that's the worst part. It is right there. Mm -hmm. See, I can cut that out. It won't even matter. You sure can. Yes. I am calling for the media to cover Biden more positively. Not in the sense of declaring Biden a better man than Trump, though that is obviously true. Instead, political coverage should be grounded in highlighting the wide range of our problems and assessing whether politicians and parties are working toward credible solutions. Now, who determines what credible solutions are? This author. It's clearly going to be objective. Mm -hmm. Nothing. no, No emotions, no biases whatsoever. Yeah. All right. Skipping down a little bit here. But I'll just tell you my example real quick. Here's here's what he says they should do, that they should talk about. Here's what the media should do. Ideally, they should compare. Here's what's wrong. And here are the Republican solutions and the Democratic solutions. And we'll just talk about that. That's it. So here's like an example of what that is. Here are the Republican and Democratic proposals. Democrats want to solve everything and make your life perfect and happy forever. And... The evil white supremacist Republicans want to usher in an authoritarian regime and murder your entire family. You decide. <laughs> and that's equal coverage. That is equal coverage. Yeah. Right there. And that's then, what the media should be doing. And then look at the poll numbers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's too early to say whether Biden is a great or even good president, but most Americans aren't getting a fair look at that question. <laughs> Instead of telling us whether Biden is is effective, the media has focused on showing that it is not too biased towards Democrats. Jesus. His problem is that they're covering bad things that happen. And it's not even they're 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 still scraping or uh, pushing a lot of things under the rug. Oh, yeah. Better that journalists actually cover America's problems and whether Biden is solving them or at least has better policies than the Republicans. That's the kind of journalism we need he had he couldn't stay with america's problems and whether biden is solving them you have to say or at least has better subjectively policies than Mm, republicans that's what we need in journalism which is a purely democratic progressive journalism i mean who is sending more money to ukraine exactly democrats or republicans well the clear choice is obviously democrats yeah because What's more important than sending money to Ukraine? I can't think of a single thing. There's not a single thing more important than sending more money to Ukraine. Yeah. That is the most important well, and job of the sure president. Well, democracy doesn't die. Yeah, but those two things are tied together. If you don't send money to Ukraine, democracy itself dies anyway. Okay, that's right. So yeah. those are the same. To Putin's, Putin's prices will destroy yeah. Ukraine and democracy, and so that's how you fight. Well, because that allows him to take over more of our elections, and he can end up helping like another guy like Trump or someone worse like DeSantis mm. get elected in the U.S., so yeah. we've got to take out Putin before he elects another U.S. president. I think we should vote for Hunter 2024. Sure. That guy should run. Yeah. Free crack for everyone. That, that'll probably work. And hopefully it's measured correctly. So The crack? Yes. Okay, I thought you were talking about something the else. Free crack. <laughs> All right, let's go home. Yeah.
All right, y'all, if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Uh, five stars because it's worth it. And uh, if you are a concealed carry holder or you live in a state that has quote unquote constitutional carry now, please, um, you know, take responsibility for yourself and make a choice. And uh, I hope the situation never happens to you, but I would rather you have that choice than not. Mm-hmm. I'm pro choice. There you go. Pro choice of you carrying your gun to save lives because that's what I actually care about is life. So, um, and I want you to share the show, please. Nate needs you to share the show. And, uh, if you weren't paying close attention, Nate slipped a little, uh, link for you guys to go to, to get some new shirts that are dropping soon. They're technically out there right now, but so, uh, go to God hates with an S hates feds with an S. So two S's there. GodHatesFeds.com. GodHatesFeds.com. New merch store. Lots of new merch out there. Even more coming on the way. Nate's been hard at work on that for all of y'all. So please, that's another way you can support us. If you don't want to be part of the live group, which is only six bucks a month by going to joingml.com, please do all of those things, all of them. And if you do not send me a picture of yourself wearing a GodHatesFeds t-shirt, then we won't do another show. So you better do it. <laughs> Not another one. Yeah. That's a, that'll be it. I'm calling the end of the show. Unless you send me a picture wearing that T-shirt. If you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. I got, I got so excited earlier. I, I was just smacking sl- lug- buttons over here. They're Trying to end the show early. He'll be gotten gains. Of Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, oh. All right. Klep- the guys who are the kleptocracy. I'm going to get back to work. <laughs> but these are bad guys. This yeah, I'm going to work off Nate's discount.